morning, everyone. Morning. 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 Good morning. Thank you for the back row. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, John. Uh, two things before we begin. Uh, we have a thank you note from us, like to the members of the First Baptist Church of Parker. Thank you for the lovely bouquet of flowers and your thoughts and prayers. I wish you all a very blessed Christmas and coming New Year in Christ. Leslie. Also, uh, please pray for Michael. He is out today and he is at uh, Brother Lou's church. We're uh, preaching for him right now because Lou just had surgery. And so let's let's pray for him and let's begin. Father in heaven, thank you for a new day and a new year. Thank you for this time. Bless us. Help us. Give us wisdom. Bless Michael as he preaches. Bless that church as well. And bless your church today as your people gather. We thank you for everything you give us, all the blessings that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please, just as a, a little thought warm-up, uh, turn to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, just to get our, uh, our dis- discuss the Bible muscles moving. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. There's one verse in here I just want to talk about uh, because I think, uh, well, there's a lot in the Bible, especially as you go older, that is very foreign to our world. Uh, There's something I want to think about here that is specifically foreign to our world, just as a, let's think about what he's trying to say here and where we might miss something. So uh, let's look at verse 11 specifically. This is fairly weird for us. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep uh, warm alone? Now, I will admit to having said before to Catherine, hey, baby, I'm kind of cold. Maybe we can snuggle. I will admit to having said that just to make this started off as awkward. Uh, If you're married, you might have used this before, uh, this line. It's a perfectly acceptable line uh, and not what's going on here. What is he talking about? It's something that we don't actually really have to struggle with. He's not talking pickup lines. Or, uh, you know, what's, 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 what's the real thing here that we don't struggle with? Fellowship? I don't, if, I, I don't mean we as a group, all right? I mean we as modern people. What do we not struggle with here? Like, From a practical standpoint, what heat. practical thing? Heat. Yeah. heat. Yeah, well, right? Like you'll die if you don't. Like, yes, exactly. Right? 
for us to experience this, the only thing I can really think of would be one of two things. One, we're camping in a tent. <laughs> it can legit happen there. I haven't camped in a tent in a very long time. But in that scenario, you're like, wow, it's cold, and I can't get up and turn on the heater. Right? Or if there's snowmageddon and you lose electricity for seven days, even if you're in a house, okay, legit, you might actually need to go, hey, let's get close because it's super cold and there's nothing we can do about it. Because we have houses, all right, none of us are pastoral, all right, we don't, we don't follow flocks around, all right, and live in tents, all right, we've got, generally speaking, plenty of blankets and clothes, and so this kind of discussion here is very foreign to us, because this isn't something we really have to worry about, because you know what, if Catherine's not home one day, no matter how cold it is outside, I will be able to keep warm, all right, within reason, right? So last Lord's Day, we, we talked, uh, I believe it was last year, uh, last year, because New Year's was Monday, right? Sweet. So last year, uh, what we talked about was some things we can do, all right? We talked about reading, we talked about uh, some things we can do spiritually. Uh, it is a good idea to every once in a while, and a lot of people choose the New Year to think about being more productive, uh, learning more things like that. Uh, here's, a, here's a good verse for you to remember. Uh, this is from Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And Proverbs 18, 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Right? The scriptures recommend hard work. The scriptures recommend productivity. And you should think about hard work and productivity and take it very seriously. Uh, but today we're going to talk about something different. I'm going to, I'm, I want to ask you now, uh, what is the least productive thing that you could possibly do? Instagram. <laughs> um, Instagram, you might get something out of it. Sleep is definitely the wrong answer. From my reading, sleep is one of the most productive things you could possibly do, actually. What is the least productive thing you can do? Even less productive than Instagram, right? I mean, that's a really low bar, but what is what is less productive than Instagram? Vegging out. What's that? Veg out. Vegging out. No. Well, maybe, but no. <laughs> what is the least productive thing you can do? Nothing. Nothing completely. Not even nothing. That is definitely negatively productive. Yeah, yes, getting mean? deeply into sin. But you're still doing something. What is the least productive thing you can do? Nothing. Dying. All right. Dying is absolutely the least productive thing you should do. And the scripture tells us that we should think about dying. So in contrast to being productive last week, let's talk about death. If you would, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I didn't expect some of those answers. Definitely expect to sleep. Get your sleep. It's very important for you. I'm not going to recommend that you get your Instagram. What I want to do today is focus on chapter 7 and a number of the verses. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through these slowly. All right? A lot of these are around the, the subject of death. All right? 
death is something that most people don't like to think about, all right? But God wants us to think about that. So we are going to think about it today. We're going to go th- slowly through this. I want to think through it. I want to think through the imagery and what he could possibly be pointing at. Uh, verse by verse, if we would. So if somebody would please read Ecclesiastes 7, 1. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Okay. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death and the day of one's birth. What translation? King James Version. Okay. Anybody else have something other than King James? I just read the ESV. All right, let's start with this. Often in Hebrew poetry, which is what this is, uh, you've got a line and then a line in there, and you're supposed to figure out what the relationship between that line and the next one is. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. All right, so that's something we want to do, but not first. First, let's understand the first line. A good name is better than precious ointment. And let's go back to our discussion. Uh, what's different about modern day than, than right here? We don't use ointment all that much for medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. Medicine or... Um, if you've got the, does anybody, well, anybody have the Net Bible here today? And what is, what is it translated as? A good reputation is better than precious perfume. Likewise, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. Thank you. They go with perfume. It could go either way, I think. All right. Whether it's medicine or whether it's perfume. All right. Uh, both of those are just make it generic, not just perfume. We don't wear perfume, all right? Just think of it as something that would uh, cover our singe, all right? They would not all have access to this, all right? In the ancient world, you don't wake up and put on deodorant, all right? You just stink all day, unless you happen to be rich, generally speaking, all right? Uh, uh, or if we're talking medicine, well, medicine in the ancient world is very sketchy. A good name is better than, is, is a good name better than medicine? More useful? I kind of like the next translation of a good reputation. So your, your name is, you know, if you have a good reputation, your good name, people respect you. Right. Is Eric a good name? It's fine. It's fine, right? But that's not what we mean here, right? This is exactly what you said. A good name is, I know other way of saying, a good reputation, right? Is a good reputation better than medicine? Is a good reputation better than perfume? Something to keep you from stinking? In a spiritual sense, yes. Yes, in a spiritual sense, for sure. Um, even in even in a real sense, right? Having a good reputation is if you have a good reputation, they're more likely to forgive you than you know, if you stink, right? But certainly spiritually, this is what he's talking about. Obviously, he's talking about as a good human, as a follower of God, a good reputation, all right, is better than, all right, uh, pleasing having having perfume or having deodorant, all right, or even medicine. Now the second one. 
and the day of death than the day of birth. What do we think about this contrast? Unlikely. It's not obvious why this would be true, right? This would certainly not be normal for us to think about this, right? Birth, that's great. Death, why? Why? Yes. Well, I mean, throughout the whole book of Ecclesiastes, there's this constant theme of discussing how burdensome life is and how yeah. how much just things come to nothing ultimately. Yeah. And so coming from that, I guess, perspective on life, when you're born, you're that's like you're in the beginning of having to deal with a lifetime of toil and all these terrible things and when you're yeah. when you die it's, it's over you don't have to deal with those things anymore. Yeah. There is a lot of that in Ecclesiastes for sure. <clears throat> now, what do the two lines have to do with each other? Are they just parallel contrast? Or is there actually a connection? Well, if you have a good reputation by the time you die, then you've had a kind of successful life. Mm-hmm. But when you're brand new, um, you haven't shown anything yet. Right. When you're brand new, you're useless. You have done. You have accomplished nothing in life. It's unclear. Um, you hope that they will become useful over time. Uh, but you're, you're, I think that's that's totally right. I think that's the the con, the the thing in meant here. All right. You can't get a good reputation until you start doing things. All right. And by the end, all right, what do you want? You want a good reputation. You want to end well. You want when you die, all right. You want people to go. That person lives a good life. All right. So for for the author of Ecclesiastes. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. So what does this tell us? If we go back to the subject we talked about last time, what should this tell us? Anybody have thoughts? How we act, how people see us, perceive us, is more important than the material things around us. Yes. And that is also definitely going to come in in the book of Ecclesiastes, for sure. How people perceive us based on what we are and what and how do people see us is because of what we do, right? Is more important than the physical possessions that we have. As he will say elsewhere, I don't believe in this selection. You come into the world with nothing, you leave the world with nothing. Though you might leave the world with a good reputation, and that would be a very good goal. Yes, Chip. I would imagine that the kind of death you go through is, is not relevant here. Because back in mm-hmm. those days, death could be rather painful. Could be. And anguish. Could be. Maybe even today, you know, even the most. Uh, Pain-killing drugs don't work with some ailments and cause death. You're right. Death in the ancient world would be, comparatively speaking, 
much worse than that today. For him, it doesn't matter if it's a you die in your sleep or you die in long suffering. Right? Doesn't matter for him. The day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. All right, because by then, if you are good, you will acquire a good reputation. Now, if we're thinking of the end, all right, because that's what we're talking about, death, end of a hopefully long road, all right? If we're thinking about the end of a long road, that means thinking about ends in the other sense of not just termination, but go, right? And so as we think about death, there's lots in Ecclesiastes to temper any sort of focus on productivity. And if you're ever tempted to work too much, Ecclesiastes is an excellent book to, to give, you a, give you a better perspective, which is one reason why we're reading it. Um, but that does mean, though, you do need to think about what you do daily and monthly and yearly. If by the end of your life, you want to have a good reputation. You need to think about that. You think about how you live your life. Think about what you do. Let's look at verse 2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Um, easy question. What is the house of mourning? Funeral home. Right? At least that's how we do it, right? I I don't know how often they had funeral homes, right? Think of it more person dies in their house, where are you going to go visit? Well you're probably gonna to go to the house, right? Where their line is dead. Okay. That's what they do in Cambodia? In the countryside for sure. It can be. It certainly can be. That's how my principal addressed Say more. What did they say in terms of the house of mourning? Well, not about the person, yeah. about the house of mourning there. I think yeah. he referred to that verse in several verses in Ecclesiastes when he addressed this as a middle school. Just that it sets our mind in the right place for moving to The separate grief that yes. you would go through? More? Yeah. Seems like the point is like in, in time of feasting, people aren't usually reflecting on their life. That's right. When you go to the house in the morning, then you're like, this could be me. Right. When you think about the final end, all right, it's easy in a party not to think about the final end. It's easier in a funeral to think about your death. And according to here, it's a good thing, all right? It is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, all right? Whether this is a funeral home for us, whether this is a personal experience for us, all right, um, that's better, which, once again, uh, not normal, all right? Not normal person behavior. Uh, we'd much rather go to the house of feasting than go to the house of mourning. And then there's 
an explanation. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. That last image, what does it mean? Lay it to heart. Take it seriously. Lay it to heart. Take it seriously. All right? Bring it in. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. So what are we supposed to do? What is he saying? Somebody just give me an explanation. What, what are we supposed to be doing here? So, I mean, to me, you feast in order to sustain your body. And when you go to the house of mourning, you reflect on the death, which probably helps you sustain your heart, your, your character, your soul, mm-hmm. helps you um, develop your character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does the house of feasting sometimes lead our character astray? Hedonism. Hedonism. Define that for us. Not everybody will know that term. Um, from what little I know, hedonists, uh, they give way to temptation and lust and all things, food, uh, anything that excites them. They go to the extreme, mm-hmm. always seeking uh, happiness in their way, mm-hmm. and every usually sinful act. Mm-hmm. The hedonist is always seeking pleasure, pleasure. right? The hedonist is always seeking pleasure. Um, depending on how you define pleasure, this is good or bad, all right? If you've read John Piper, mm-hmm. all right, right, one of he loves that he he. He wants to redefine and revalue hedonism, but he calls it Christian hedonism. And what he means by that is finding joy and pleasure in God, which is well, is absolutely something we, we should do, right? Um, but he uses the term for that meaning, right? Seek pleasure. But for him, it's like seek pleasure all the time in God and in the things of God, right? But the house of feasting is not going to necessarily lead you to that, actually, right? The house of feasting, and you could probably genericize the house of feasting. It doesn't have to be eating, right? What are we talking about here? Distraction. Distraction could totally be it if we go back to our Instagram or your Twitter slash X kind of scenario. Um, What do those things do? But... Well, you've got programmers with algorithms there to keep you interested, keep you distracted, keep you from probably thinking about anything useful, all right, depending on who you follow to a certain degree, all right? So that's, they, they exist to play on those hedonistic impulses and to get us to focus on something, all right? So it can be just distraction. It can be food, all right? What else could it be? Sensual or sensory pleasure. Could be sensual or sensory pleasure. Sensory pleasure could be sexual in nature. It could simply be fun. There is such a thing as watching too many movies. There is such a thing as playing too many video games. These are equivalent to the house of feasting. Once again, this is different than the ancient world. Uh, They had far fewer things to distract them than we did, than we do today. Uh, No Age of Empires, no, no civilization back in the day. Well, they had civilization, but it wasn't a video game. It was trying to survive all the time. Very different kind of world. So it's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. 
of whatever form that takes for you. Distraction, fun, pleasure, and all of its various forms, or just eating. All right. Better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. What's the antecedent for this? Death. Right? Death is your end. This is the end of all mankind. Now, one thing that's interesting about Ecclesiastes um, is he doesn't know things, right? If you read the book of Ecclesiastes and you read, and if you go, Solomon, what is the end of all mankind? Uh, after death, what happens? For Solomon, he's like, I don't know. Right? Where does the spirit go when you die? What does Solomon say? Maybe it goes up. Maybe it goes down. I'm not sure. All right? he, did, he just did not know. All right? He was not sure. That comes out a number of times in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, we know things that he doesn't know because of Professor Revelation. He does, he does not know. All right? He does not express any that I can see. I, I read through this yesterday. Didn't see any note of resurrection or anything like that. Um, he's, he's unclear. But he does know what he does know for sure that all men die, all right? All men die, and so that's the end. And we should think about that. And the living will lay it to heart. We are in Ecclesiastes seven. Thanks for joining. Do we have any idea how old he was when he wrote this? I think it talks about him being an old man, all right? And so it's I don't know how old he was, right? Because this is Certainly after he's accumulated lots of possessions and wives. So whether that's a few years before he died or a few decades, I don't know. You definitely get the, the cranky old man feeling mm-hmm. reading the book, uh, which is an interesting thing for, you know, when you think about the doctrine of inspiration, right? Um, whenever we think about the scriptures and how they're inspired, we don't, we don't view them as God took the pen and just sort of wrote the thing, all right? God wrote through people and through their personalities. All right? You see the people. You don't just see God in the writing, though you see God in the writing. You also see the people. And you definitely get, I get, cranky old man, disillusioned. All right? Not just cranky. Really a very disillusioned old man. All right? But therefore also in many ways very realistic old man in the book of Ecclesiastes. There's a Latin phrase that you hear, hear sometimes the doctors used to use it as memento mori, mm-hmm. which means remember, remember death, yeah. or remember you must die. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like mm-hmm. two, referring back to one, Kim's translation was reputation. When, when he says take it to heart, it's like do whatever it takes to keep your reputation. And the house of mourning will do that better than the house of feasting. I like mirth. I don't like partying, but I do like fun. Fun often distracts you from the good, but we know that. If you don't know that, that's true. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness of face, for by sadness of face, the heart 
is made glad. Let's get some other translations for that. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. Okay. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. Okay. Uh, the net sorrow is better than laughter because sober reflection is good for the heart. Okay. What the net will often do is the net doesn't like metaphors, all right? <laughs> they, they just get rid of the metaphors, like in this particular case. Where most translations they uh, they stick with them, all right? So that's their take on it, right? Sad face means what? Sober reflection. Right. Maybe they're right. Maybe it's not wrong. Well, maybe it's not right. What do we think? All right. The heart of the wise, um, the, the sorrow is better than laughter. Is that true? For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The, all these have more of a long-term outlook than the short-term, right? You wouldn't think sorrow is not better than laughter. Sorrow is unpleasant. Laughter is pleasant. But it, carrying on the theme of the other two verses, mm-hmm. it's the end that we're talking about. And you need to reflect more than you are, and sorrow will bring that on. So he's not saying we should be sorrowful all the time. Yeah, it gives you perspective on yeah. when you're not in something. It increase how you look at the time when you're not. You know, to appreciate it more, to do more for others, to love better. Yeah. It should give you an adjustment. Yes. In a good way. I, I think I think that's that's totally right, right? It's we often feel things better by by contrast, right? Feeling normal, all right. Feeling feeling normal just feels normal most of the time, unless you're in a lot of pain. And then, when you feel normal, you're like, normal is suddenly a huge relief, right? I think that's part of it here, right? If you don't feel sadness, if you don't dwell on death, you can't understand life correctly, right? You can't understand what is normal and what is good until you see it in the face of suffering. Yeah. I think too, about a month, this is universal, but if you look back on your personal biography, your head didn't shape your character very much. Yeah. yeah. But hardship and pain did. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff had his hand raised. Do you want to say something real quick? Yes, um, <laughs> I, I was just going to add on that. Um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily think deeply unless um, they go through hard times or troubles, which it's, that's why it says sorrow, sorrow is better than laughter, because um, it's in times of adversity that you're really forced to think deep in, reflect, and if you're, if you're just constantly drowning yourself in pleasure all the time, uh, you might not just do that. Yeah. yeah, with the exception of my marriage, of course. <laughs> um, my marriage ceremony, all right? All the funerals I've been to have been way more impactful for me than, no offense, to the other marriages of y'all that I've been to, all right? 
though they might be extremely impactful, obviously, for those getting married, um, the, the, the deaths, right? The deaths of my, my grandfather when I was uh, 14, 15. Right? That, was a, that was a big deal for me. He was, he was the first grandfather or grandparent that I knew, right? That died. That was very impactful for me. Uh, Tim can probably corroborate this, but I've heard preachers that I respected quite a bit say, I love to preach funerals. <laughs> His daddy said that. Just because the audience is already so receptive. Yeah. It's kind of natural. It kind of, it, it's easy for us to get in that mode. No. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to get in that mode. The heart of the wise, no, let's see, sorrow is better than laughter and sadness of face. Sadness of face, the heart is made glad. And I think this is where the, the Net Bible translation is useful. Right? They, they get ditched the metaphor. What are they talking about? They're talking about the contemplation of death. Right? They're talking about reflecting. All right? They're reflecting on bad things, right? which is exactly what we've been saying. It is better to reflect on bad things, all right? It will form our character more, all right, than just laughing all the time, just having fun. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Somebody tell me, what's the relationship between this verse and the last? Well, I think they're connected. Uh, when we read the last verse, it kept bringing to mind that failure is a better teacher than success, mm-hmm. um, which is a just cultural saying. But in that, sorrow is a better teacher for your heart than uh, laughter, because laughter is fleeting and sorrow lingers, and you learn more as you dwell in it. And um, therefore, if uh, it is connected to teaching, then you'll be more wise because you have dwelt in sorrow longer yeah. and not in a place of happiness. You know, I'm glad you said happiness is, is fleeting. That's, that's, that's a great way of saying that. I think we probably all felt that, right? We're very ha- Something good happens to us, we're very happy, then it's very easy for us to just shift out of that and go back to being normal, right? Sorrow can really stick with us. When you brought up funerals, um, house of mourning, usually when you're with people at a funeral, you're reflecting on that person's life. What did they do? What did you know? What are the good? Most of the time, you talk about the good mm-hmm. that that person. What impact that person may have had on you or them or whatever. When you're at a party, you don't go deep usually. It's yeah. merriment, it's feasting, it's partying, whatever. Yes. It's very light, it's very superficial, whereas funerals tend to make you reflective. Just the setting. Yeah. yeah, try having a serious conversation, especially one about death at a party. <laughs> people will avoid you. <laughs> people will avoid you. <laughs> yeah, people will avoid you. Um, the other leads to reflection gets like gets back to that reputation. What kind of reputation do they have, good or bad? When you do pass away, they'll still wonder about you. 
What's that? What's that? When you pass, finally pass away, they'll still wonder about you. That's true. That's true. And then you have the combination of the two in the week. It's like a morning slash party. I don't think I've really ever gone to one of those before. I don't think I've really ever experienced that. Have you? Kind of like in verse 4, it's kind of with having already analyzed verses 1 through 3, it's like 4 saying, just see for yourself. Yeah. A lot of, lot of comparison there. Now, we're running out of time. What I want to do, all right, there's another verse about death, but it's not yet, all right? Verse 5, it is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. What's the song of fools? I don't think it's a, a full singing, That's though it's possible. I mean, when you're singing, it's a celebration. So probably hear that positive things of someone who uh, achieved it foolishly. Like, hey, you know, I won the lottery, you know. And then you're like, well, you meet this other guy who's like, oh, I worked my whole life to get there. You know, you don't want to go play the lottery. It's more dependable to work your whole life. So it's, it's not someone who's thinking soberly. It's someone who's going, Bill said laughing, all right? Laughter, fun, mirth, talking about their luck. Look at this great stuff that's happening to me. What's better than that is someone wise coming to you and said, you need to fix this, all right? Now, if someone comes to you and says, you need to fix this, you got to say something, Mark? Yeah, and then I believe it was Annette points out, it says the, the uh, song of fools is praise and flattery. It's yeah. better to hear review yeah. about something you need to fix than gives you told, oh, you're doing great. You're fantastic. Yeah. Just, you're, you're perfect just the way you are, Mike. Yeah. I want you to know that. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. All right. It's a great imagery. Crackling of thorns under a pot. You actually have to burn things outdoors to experience that. Crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the uh, the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. That's kind of a negative thought there. Better is the, and here's here's where I want to go with it before we uh, switch a little bit. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. This brings us back to uh, the first verse. All right? Better is the end of a thing. What, what is, what's more of an end than death? Right? Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Of course, this would be a reflection on fools. You would turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I commend to you, along with your reflections of your uh, to-do list, right, your reflections of how you're going to improve yourself this year, all right, 
I advise you to reflect on death. All right, temper those things by the, your upcoming death. All right, your death might be next week. Your death might be in 60, 70 years. Temper your goals by your death, because it's going to happen. It's going to come to all of us. There's one other thing, and this is where I want us to end today. Another, this is the, uh, this is, I think, the very realistic Solomon, the very um, jaded with riches Solomon, which I think is good for us to think about. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Verse 18. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and to rejoice in his toil this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with the joy with joy in his heart. Work hard. Make big plans. Alright? Get better. Work on your self-improvement. But also chill out. Relax. Spend time with people. Spend time with your family. All right. Enjoy your work. All right. Don't. There is such a thing as focusing so much on productivity that you cease to enjoy it. All right. No. You've gone too far. Try as much as possible, as much as you can. All right. In your toil. To not push too hard. Do what you should. Of course, do what you need to do. To have a good reputation when you die. All right? But also, God has given it to you to, as it says here, eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil which one toils under the sun. A few days of his life that God has given him. For this is your lot. Now, there's more to it. Paul actually talks about this. He quotes, he quotes a pagan, which, hey, Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. All right? That's not, that's not, it's not let's enjoy pleasure until it's just all snuffed out. All right? That's, that's paganism. We are, and God has given you a life. All right? Enjoy it. Give thanks to God for that while you're doing it. All right? But don't ignore death. By partying all the time and just, I'm just going to focus on good things. Consider death. Consider your end. Consider your reputation, what you want people to say about you. Consider that end. That's good for you. All right? Be realistic about what you can do. And enjoy life in the middle of your striking. Any final thoughts before we dismiss for today? Anybody want to share anything that would be related? Um, I think in relationship to thinking on yourself and thinking on how to improve, I enjoy our fellowship that we have here, mm -hmm. specifically in this building. Mm -hmm. But when we step into that building, 
I like to hear more quiet. Okay. Which is something you hear at a funeral home is more quiet. It's true. Time of morning and partying and feasting, you hear more noise. So I like the noise and the din that we have here, but when we get over there, I like to hear quiet. I like to be able to think on what we're about to do. I like to be able to hear Frank play. I like to hear our singing. Sometimes when I'm leading, I just stop singing and just listen to you guys because it's wonderful to hear the church sing. Yeah. So think about that when we go over there. It's okay to be quiet. I agree. There, it is a, it is entirely appropriate to have places, all right, that are dedicated to things. We mentioned this last time. It actually helps with uh, our mindset when we do that. So I totally agree. And I also like to hear Frank play as well. So, so consider that. Anyone else? Okay, let's let's be dismissed. Uh, Queso, will you please pray for us?